Hello, everybody. Joel Junker here with another episode of the Cameron Brooks podcast, Above and Beyond. I believe all of our podcasts are special, unique, and have a lot to offer. And I am really excited about this one. This is with Dr. Amber Selking. Amber is the Vice President of Leadership and Culture Development at Lippert, which is a manufacturer and supplier of highly engineered quality components to the RV industry, marine, and automotive industries. They're actually not a client of Cameron Brooks. I connected with Amber through a Notre Dame alumnus. She's a Notre Dame alum. I am as well. And this Notre Dame alum, who also came through Cameron Brooks, thought we should talk because we are both really passionate about high performance, leadership, people development. And as I engaged with Amber, I, over email and corresponded with her, I learned that she did her PhD dissertation uh, on how NFL players adapted and adjusted to the change from the NFL into their next uh, professional profession or their life after the NFL. And I thought there would be some overlaps of what she learned in, in transitions to the transition into the military. But I was also really interested in the, the topics I was learning from her podcast, Building Championship Mindsets, which I highly, highly recommend. Uh, there were topics that she was putting out there I thought were really relevant to leadership as well as making the transition. So as you start this podcast, you're going to pick up in a conversation where Amber and I are having, and I'm actually explaining a little bit more to her about what we do at Cameron Brooks and in my background. And actually, you're joining us in a conversation. It's actually the first time that we met. I'm talking to her a little bit about the junior officer and the transition. I ask her to give a little bit more background of her and how she got into this. I believe you're really going to enjoy her. She's full of energy. Uh, she is passionate about helping people become the best versions of themselves, about companies finding purpose. I really hope you enjoy this as much as I enjoyed uh, conducting the session and meeting Amber. So Amber, leaving the military, um, as we were talking about here, for the, the officers that are thinking about transitioning, it can be kind of a, a big step, or it is a big step. It can seem risky and in changing industries, changing organizations, a career path. The structure of the military consistent pay benefits provide a lot of comfort. The officers we work with at Cameron Brooks are their top performers. I mean, they're the, some of the best of the best that are getting out of the military. And often when I talk to them, they tell me, you know, they've deployed, they've been in dangerous places. They've done some uh, dangerous things. Like you mentioned earlier, jumping out of planes, blowing up things. Yet when we talk to them about the transition, there's a sense of uncertainty and that creates some fear of wondering what's next and also they get into this endeavor of interviewing <laughs> and interviewing is people are vulnerable um, and I've had people tell me right before their first interview that they've uh, actually never felt so scared or uncertain before and I just wondered and wanted you to, to, to talk a little bit to you with you today about several things one of them would be to learn a little bit more about um, your lessons that you learned on people pivoting from the NFL mm -hmm. into the into their next life but also I wanted to learn more about your book that you're coming out with. And so I thought we could get into those and talk a little bit about the book. The last thing I also wanted to make sure that we talked about is this. I was really uh, captured by this podcast you had on self-efficacy. And I wonder if there wasn't some of this on self-efficacy that could be helpful for leaders of all types, but also people that are in times of change. 
So I just wanted to see where this podcast could take us, and I'm excited to have you here. And um, why don't you just tell us a little bit, tell the audience a little bit about, I've got your bio from looking you up on LinkedIn and meeting you uh, now, but why don't you tell a little bit of the audience of how have you gotten into performance mindset? Like you really, for me, this, you seem like a subject matter expert on how to be a top performer. Yeah, so, you know, I had the opportunity, um, I committed to the Naval Academy my senior year of high school and tore my first knee right before I was supposed to leave for plebe summer, Um, and it was also two days before the deadline at Notre Dame, and so um, my options were go through plebe summer with a torn ACL, uh, take a year off, and then come back a year later, or go to a fifth year of military high school, and so some of you might have traversed that journey, and God bless you. First of all, thank you for your service to our great country. Um, I love I love America and our values and what we stand for and the men and women that serve and protect it just have a, a very, very special place in my heart. Uh, my grandpa is in the Navy. And so, um, you know, that was something, that legacy that I thought I could carry on. And yet at the same time, um, when, when my knee happened, I just realized that, man, maybe this isn't the direction I'm meant to go. And so I went to Notre Dame and, um, and played a year. And at the end of the day, I got cut from the team because my knees never really came back the way my coach had wanted it to and we were the number one ranked team in the country and on and on so thankfully I decided to stay at ND but in that you know I I had an identity crisis I remember walking out of my coach's office after getting released from the team and just feeling hollow inside like from the base of my neck to the bottom of my stomach I felt empty Mm -hmm. and I didn't know who to call. I didn't know where to go. If I wasn't Amber, the soccer player, when I walked into class, which was such an I part of my identity, right? It's what made me cool. It's what made me strong. It's what made me um, able to hang out with athletes who I thought were, that's who I wanted to be around, you know? Um, I, I was, I really struggled. And then I thought to myself, you know, man, I've got a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I've got a family at home that loves me and I'm at the University of Notre Dame. Like, I'm fairly certain I'm going to be okay, you know, but it was still really, really challenging. And that's what really got me on this journey of, you know, what goes into people being great at life (laughs) professionally, but also personally outside of the things that we do. And so you really started wrestling with this idea of like the man or woman under the jersey, the man or woman under the uniform. Who is that? And and so I led Notre Dame Christian Athletes during my time at Notre Dame to sort of exert all of my energy and free time that I now had without soccer. Um, and I really thought that was my way to like ease my ego out of sport. That's what led me to the field of sports psychology. I mean, I literally Googled sports psych and read through, you know, the the programs that I was looking at and the, the content. And it, I was like, wow, this is a lot of what I taught through Notre Dame Christian athletes, like through the lens of scripture. But this is through the lens of science, like brain science and emotional development and team and organizational dynamics. And so um, that's so I did my master's out in Denver, my PhD at the University of Missouri, just again, really understanding um, what goes into human high performance and how can we understand how the brain works and how it impacts how we show up and then actually train it in ways to to show up as the best version of ourselves on a more consistent basis. And so um, that's what I get to do. You know, the brain is not a muscle in the scientific sense, but it functions like a muscle and the extent that the parts of it that we use grow and get stronger. And so for those of you that have spent years in the military, you've trained your brain just like you've trained your body, just like you've trained your, your craft, whatever that might be in terms of your actual role 
to think a certain way, to be a certain person. And so now this, this is why it's scary when you're getting out of this, because you're going into a whole new world. And, um, and that's, that's what we found for my dissertation. Again, the, the conversation around former NFL players on that transition out of the NFL into life thereafter, the main, the main problem that these guys were wrestling with is how do I rediscover and redefine purpose in my life now that football is over? And, and, and if you really pull back, my guess is that's the same question you're asking yourself. I have to jump in because I'm take, you can see me taking notes here, but as soon as you start talking about go back to the soccer jersey, take this off, I think the majority of military officers start wondering, how am I going to find meaning? I, I want to get out the quality of life reasons. Maybe I'm more interested in a different type of work, but there's something about wearing this uniform that gives me an identity. They may not call it an identity, but it is an identity. And I find meaning through wearing the uniform. And I talk to the officers often about where they say, well, it's really important for me to find meaningful work. And it's been so much easier to find this, to do this in the military. And some of them struggle getting out because of that. I had this, because we have the Notre Dame connection, there's a um, professor here that I had, Bob Drevs, marketing professor, and he would always tell us, it's not what you do, it's who you are. Amen. That what That's going to define meaning in your life. And, and that's what I talk with the officers about. Once you take the uniform off, you're going you're gonna to miss that piece. But there's other ways to find meaning in your life. It's the way that you live your life. So I think there's a huge parallel there. And never even thought about when you were talking about the NFL piece when we set this uh, time up that they've, so much of their life has been what's on that jersey, what have I done on that, perform, on that playing field, I've been identified with, how well I've done, but there's so much more to our lives. And the challenging part is like when you're in the military, right, you can literally see what you've done right. by the stars on your chest, by the number of regalia that you're wearing and and so you never have to say it and then when you get out into the real world you're not wearing that anymore so people don't know and even if they know you've been in the military if they don't know that world it's really hard to know the depth of of love that you have for the men and women that you go to battle with for the sacrifice that your families have made and so to express the depth of that to normal people it, it's hard to do without coming off like an arrogant right and so and so there's this really there's this element of humility that goes into transition and so you know as our as our NFL guys were going through that process of rediscovering and redefining purpose there's really three phases of that journey the first is you know flesh out your self-identity so when you take that jersey off that uniform off really who are you what are your core values what are the things that energize you what are the things that drain you and again because when we're in a field that takes so much of us we tend to wrap all of those things up into what we do and so really stripping back of like Okay, outside of the context of the military or of football, what are the things that excite me? What are the things that break my heart in the world? What are the things that actually get me excited mm-hmm. to think about? And so, you know, how do I cope? Um, 
in, in football guys are like, man, I cope. I get mad. I go out and I hit somebody, you know, like in, in the military, you got different coping strategies. Now, all of a sudden you got to find out what are new ways to cope with things. And that's why so many people coming out of the NFL or, or out of the military, I'm sure I don't know. I've not done a ton of research in that space, but, you know, turn to, to alcohol or to substance abuse or to, to isolation, right. And, and depression and anxiety that goes along with that. Um, because you're trying to find how do I cope now that I don't have the typical coping mechanisms of tackling people or, um, you know, engaging in battle, right? And so you've got to find healthy ways to cope. And so once you go through and, and start to understand more about that self-identity, then it's going through this phase of like humbling yourself, you know, of really finding a layer of humility that you might not have known before. And one way to do that is just volunteering, going on some service projects, seeing what other people's lives are, and then realizing like, wow, I can actually still help people. That, and I talk to people about that all the time, that there's opportunities here, and, and we haven't even talked about what you do here at Lippert, uh, the, the company you work for, because I want to get into that in just a moment. You know, I, I talk to people about that all the time, that I remember sitting in front of my um, 06. Everybody has to get counseled in the Army before they get out by their brigade commander, the first 06 in their level. Um, and I remember him telling me, you won't find the meaning in your life that you do in the military. I got out in any way, and I fortunately found the, 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 my vocation, helping people make the transition. So that was easy to do that, but I found other ways to find meaning in my work, uh, which we could, people don't know this listening to the podcast yet, but Amber and I just met, I don't know, a half hour ago. We've been communicating, but half hour. So she doesn't know this. I kind of hinted it in some of it, but I found meaning in my life through foster care and devoting a life to that and with uh, our children. And then, uh, so there's other things besides being wrapped up into your career. And you will have the opportunity when you have more freedom in your life. The NFL people uh, probably are so wrapped up. They have no time for anything else. Military, the same thing. You have opportunities like that when that part of the life is gone to volunteer, to find the next mission, to the, the next purpose. I want to also eventually, I want you to get into Lippert because I love what you have, what I've read here at Lippert about you. Because I use Lippert as an example, even though they're not a client of ours, but maybe we can work on that. Lippert is a manufacturing company. And this would be a classic uh, example of somebody coming to me and say, I want to find meaningful work. So they would talk about, I don't know, some healthcare company. We have a lot of great healthcare companies. I said, it doesn't matter what they make. Mm-hmm. To make it meaningful, it is what is the organization doing? How do they treat people? How are they building capabilities within people? What do they create for a work environment? And as I've gotten to know more about Lippert and my research and reading and meeting you, you have created a culture here that is beyond making recreational vehicle components, parts, all the other millions of things it seems you guys make here. So talk a little bit about, and we could bounce here forever. We should come back to the NFL, but I want to talk a little bit about your organization. How do you create meaningful work where it's not something that might be, the product might not be life-changing itself? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I'll, I'll go there. I want to finish that process because I th- said it was a three-step process. The first was flesh out your self-identity. The second is humble yourself, often through service to others. And the third, which I think is really important for everybody here to hear, is replicate the blueprint for success. Listen, you are part of maybe 1% of the population that has done something so extreme and so special 
and, and learned how to be successful at something very nuanced, you have a blueprint for success. You just need to learn to replicate that into a new space. And so the brain has an interesting, it does something interesting that unless we teach for transfer, unless we teach our athletes or our students or our military personnel how to transfer knowledge from one domain of your life to a new domain for your life, the brain doesn't naturally make that correlation. So for example, athletes might spend their whole life on a team. And so they would say, I'm good at teamwork. Um, But then all of a sudden they go to an organization and they're like, I don't know what skills I have. We have teamwork, right? Right. How does teamwork apply in this new context? How do communication skills apply in this new context? How does your process for being a successful elite athlete translate to now being in a professional environment? And so if you spend some time wrestling with those three areas, you can have, and you're intentionally engaged in that process. That was the other important part of the study was that you have to be intentionally engaged in that. Um, until you're actively engaged in that process of rediscovery and redefinition, you flounder a lot and you make a lot of poor life decisions and you hurt a lot of people in the process. Mm-hmm. And so, um, again, just lean into that. And I know it sounds like a lot, but what we found is that when you intentionally pursue big questions like, what is my purpose? It seems so daunting, but human beings were created with a, a, a desire for for purpose. And when we seek, we find the things that that we're actually asking questions around. And so, I just want to encourage you in those three in those three areas. And again, that intentional engagement. And and really, now to transfer that back to Lippert, like what are we doing here? We're creating cultures where people feel cared for and where they feel valued. And so whether you're making a window for an RV or an axle for a trailer or a windshield for a, you know, a Polaris UTV or ATV, you know, it's it's about who are you doing it with? How are we taking care of each other? And I'll just give you a, a brief story. A couple weeks ago, we had a new woman. She just joined our organization. And her son got in a bad accident and came home from the hospital in a wheelchair. And her home is not wheelchair accessible. And so the guys on second shift learned that this happened and they got off their shift. They went straight to her house. They got all the, they got all the supplies they needed and they built a wheelchair ramp into her house so that when her son came home from the hospital later that day, he could get into the house. And when we say caring about people, like that's, that's what we're talking about. And so it's, it's helping people build relationships with the men and women to the right and the left of them every single day, getting to know each other. Because if you don't know people, you can't care about people. And when we start to know each other and care about each other, then we start to do things and take action around caring for each other and building a sense of community. And that's really, I mean, when you leave the military, that's what you're going to miss. Like you're going to miss feeling like you've got a clear goal that you can rally around with other people to achieve and a sense of community and shared experience that, that others might not have. It's the number one reason, the number one concern that they're, that they are, that will I have the same community that I did when in the military will have that same camaraderie. And you won't unless you create it. Yeah, for somebody who knows nothing about the military, you got it. You won't unless you create it. And you might never have it exactly the same way. It'll just be different. Yep. And that's the, so if we back up in the study, I went straight to like the, the final part, which is rediscovering purpose in that process. But really what the guys experienced was they went, one day they were in the locker room 
literally. And so literally and figuratively, because when you're in the locker room, you know the rules of the game. You know what your cadence of the year is going to be like. Like when you go on deployment, you know what that's like. When you come back, you know what that like. You sort of have an expectation of how the world works, right? right? And then they get out of the locker room and they're literally not in the locker room, that sense of community anymore. But also their world is very different. And so they go through this sort of floundering process and then they have to create a whole new world. So they literally go out of the locker room and they have to create this whole new world. And the the model itself is an actual image and the locker room image is a rectangle. And then they go through this transition process, which is like a blurb, because right. <laughs> that's what it is. And then they create a whole new world and the whole new world is a circle because it literally looks different. So to your point, it's never going to be the same and you have to come to grips with that and be okay with it but you have to create a whole new world that looks different it feels different it's going to sound different but it can still be infused with meaning and purpose and relationship and community if you're intentionally intentional in creating that so i want to go back to the intentional and doing that but there's a parallel the parallel is without Without understanding, okay, you have an idea of why you're leaving the military. Typically, the top reasons we want a better quality of life, um, uh, work-life balance. It's just not right for my family. Those are like the number ones because it is a tough lifestyle. Sometimes just not excited about the future options. Okay, those are the reasons why you're leaving. What we do at Cameron Brooks is we spend a lot of time on career coaching when they first get with us. Okay, good. I got those. Make sense why you're leaving. That those are valid reasons good to understand but now where are you going i call it preferred futuring you may have gotten this in your um some of your psychology type of things i've done in my leadership coaching where okay what does a happy successful professional life look like five years from now it doesn't have to be perfectly painted but it's white wall put out everything you want on there okay what does the personal life look like okay now at least you got the start of an objective yep so as soon as you got that and you can write that down start developing the plan to get there so what we do at cameron brooks because such a big problem across all domains of, of military people, whether you're a retiring senior officer or our domain of a junior officer or enlisted, is what they call the do-over. Get out, start work, change jobs. Get out, start work, change jobs. Well, you never solved the initial problem while you got out. It's not a great quality of life. You're not really moving up. So we talk about a camera Rooks making the successful transition. Getting on board a great company, sticking with it for five years, building the foundation. Now you fully have made the pivot. You've taken your blueprint. You are now integrated with the business world. So that's the, I think there's a parallel of how do you avoid the the do-overs or avoid like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm sitting on the beach. I just don't, my life's not put together anymore. And so the parallel of what you've been talking about, create a, what do you say, objective? And that's a, that the military is, they're so good at creating objectives. Yep. Then out of a plan, same thing with what you do with, with, what do I want with my professional and personal life? So I appreciate you sharing that because there is that. And that's, so, you know, that's a really good point, right? Because without vision, people perish. And sometimes that's literally death because people, you know, they don't understand where they're going in life and they think it's not worth living. Right. Or, but then secondly, that's an emotional death. It, that, that, you know, if you don't really know where you're going, it's hard to get there and you don't feel that sense of purpose and calling and belonging. Right. But the other thing is like clear vision, clear results, fuzzy vision, fuzzy results. And the reality of it is like, you know, a lot of my research is in masculinity and, and masculinity and sport and high performance environments. And listen, like people that are good at their craft are good at their craft. 
and we've got big egos. And that's not always a bad thing. That can be a bad thing if it's not grounded, right? But but having an ego, I don't think is bad. Like I want people to be confident and courageous. And that goes that self-efficacy piece you mentioned. Self-efficacy is really your sense of confidence, right? But it's it's very situationally specific. And so what happens is we get really good at our craft and we like being really good at what we're doing. And we that makes us feel really good. Now all of a sudden we go to a new domain and it's like starting over. And it really is at the neurological level. Talent is developed at the neurological level through repetition. You've probably heard of it as muscle memory, but it's really neuron memory because what fires together wires together. And so that you get really good again at what you're doing. Now all of a sudden you're firing whole new neuro pathways that have never fired before. So it's really inefficient. It's really clunky. And, and instead of knowing that that's a neurological thing, we think, oh, I'm not good at this. I don't, I don't know if I'm ever going to be good at this. Now that starts to get to our self-identity and our ego, mm-hmm. and we're not used to not being good at things. We're used to being the man or the woman, right? And that goes back to interviewing. The first time exactly. somebody tries to to interview or you know do a practice interview, it's like it's most – even I sounded terrible. I, I interviewed to be a part of a board of trustees, and I teach interviewing, and I was awful. <laughs> I didn't prepare. I should have prepared. Because I hadn't wired that together yet for that. So I think they, they cross that, not just the transition, but I think the first time people try to interview, they just haven't communicated in that way or communicated in the business way yet. So actually thinking about interviewing, um, I had an incredible mentor when I was at Notre Dame and he prepped me for all of my interviews. And he gave me this really simple framework that I used all through interviews and um, it's called the star method. Yeah, we of, teach you it. Teach we, it? We, call oh. it the, we actually call it the bluff star method. Oh. And the reason we call it the bluff star, so you know what bluff is by no. your bottom line up front? Have you ever mm. heard that? No. <laughs> and so I, I first time I used it in a board meeting, tell me, I was like, hey, you got to get to the bluff. Like, what's bluff? you got to get to the bottom line up front. I love this. So My the, guys here are going to love I that know. too. So, so the bottom line up front, the reason why we teach, answer the question first in one sentence before going to the situation first. Because when you're going from the military to business, there's not a direct correlation in functionally. I've been leading a team of people in maintaining tanks, maintain, you know, running a, a ship, an engine room. Well, if you give them the situation all in the background to somebody that doesn't know, you're going to lose them. It's a really good So point. we go to bluff first. Tell them what you did and what the result was mm. in such a way that somebody that knows nothing about the military would get it. So now you've got, I'm going to start here, and this is, I'm going to tell you the story, and I'm probably going to lose you along the way. But we're going to get to here in the end. Yeah. So we, we teach so bluff. Bottom line up front, state what you did, state what the result, make it so it's easy. Then go to the situation. That's awesome. And I just, like in anything, right, if you're ever feeling like, man, I don't feel comfortable or confident, right, having a simple framework like that to just give your brain something to do and to, to work through is really helpful in building that sense of competence, which often drives our confidence. Right. And so I, I just like, again, whether it's interviewing or whether it's learning to have um, intimate conversations with your significant other that maybe you've avoided because it was easy to because you were always busy and um, and you got to get better at that. Like have a framework, work through those things um, so that you can build that repetition. Right. That we just talked about in terms of that neuro firing, that muscle memory, if you will, on on doing new things in your life and in your world. You've done these things before. I can't tell you how many times when I ask somebody, let's take a career field that's so far outside their domain. We recruit people for sales. Like, well, Joel, I've never done sales before. 
sure, you've not done sales before, but if you go ask companies what they really like about salespeople, like they're goal-oriented, they can operate independently, they can communicate, they can overcome obstacles, they're well-organized, they have a buoyancy to them that when they have setbacks. So does that describe you? Like, yeah, that totally that totally describes me. So yes, you've done sales. So it's the same thing with when you talk about this blueprint. The military officer has the blueprint to lead, to manage projects, to drive lean initiatives, Six Sigma initiatives. Just didn't call that to make good decisions. They have the military decision-making uh, model that they have. They have a risk mitigation model that the, mil- the business world doesn't talk about them the same way, but they love that framework. And so that is the value that military officers bring to the business world and why they can be successful and are successful and why I've been doing this for 22 years and our company's been doing it for 50 because of those people like that. So like you said, you've got the blueprint. Be confident in that. Mm-hmm. And now it's just doing it in a, in a new domain. Absolutely. And the other thing about that, too, is, right, you know, when you said, like, these these character traits or behavior traits, personality traits almost, and you're like, yeah, 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 I am that. Like, that's that gets to, again, who are you under the jersey, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you have a military uniform on or a sales polo on for mm-hmm. a certain company. Like, it's not the job itself. It's, like, who you are. Can you do and be those things? Oh, yeah, because this is who I am, not just what I do. And, again, learning to transfer that to those to new domains is half the battle, if you will. Well, I think that's the big change in leaving the military for a lot of people. Who am I and it's not what I do. Mm-hmm. I'm not defined but I, about what I do. Now, um, it probably took me, I don't know, maybe last year to finally figure that out, you know, in many ways in my life that I'm not defined by what I do. I'm not defined necessarily by the result of something, mm-hmm. whether that be my golf score or it be did I hit the goals for the year. It, it, we are defined by so many other, really, the other things. And in, in the, they call it self-authoring. We get to define Absolutely. in many ways who we are. I'd love to pivot here into this this uh, um, mind, the mindset. Um, I'm curious, is there, let's just say you're talking to somebody or you're having a conversation or teaching somebody. If you want to be a, a champion or a leader, and we have to define what champion would be, 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 be the best version of yourself. Be authentic. Be the best version of yourself. Have you studied people? What do they have in common in terms of their mindset? So I'd love to understand what is it about somebody that's living an authentic quality life, being the best version of a leader they are, best spouse. What do they have in common? And then I'd like to figure out how do, what are some tips to yeah. get there? Yeah. So, you know, one of my first grad school classes, we had to write our own, it was called Theories of Performance Excellence. And so we read this book of the all of these different you know, leading sports psychology practitioners and read about their theories of performance excellence. And then the assignment was to write our own theory of what drives performance excellence. And, you know, it, it, when in your first semester of grad school and a subject you've never really studied before, the, the, I was like, are we really equipped to design our own theory of performance excellence? But there's beauty in um, not knowing a lot of stuff sometimes because you can just really go with your gut and what you sense to be right in things. And so I wrote this theory and now looking back, like I reference it a lot and I still believe this is what drives high performance. So to me, it, it always starts with identity. Like before you get to mindset, like you can construct your mindset around anything, but like it needs to be, you start with identity. Who are you under the jersey? We just talked a lot about that. The second layer of that is mindset, right? Learning to, um, again, 
train your brain and think in ways that are that are aligned with that identity, right? And so you can think of a mindset. So mindsets are literally protein patterns that change the form and function of your brain. So think of a mindset on your brain as like an Instagram filter on a picture. Like you could have the same picture, but depending on what filter you put over it, it could look totally different, right? You could be, it could like exasperate the color. It could wash out the color. It could make it black and white. And so mindsets do the same thing to our brain. They, they, it's basically a woven protein pattern in your brain that when you encounter a situation, so let's say um, going into an interview, what's your mindset on that? What's your Instagram filter? Is it one that's like excited, calm, or is it one of, fear, anxiety, stress, right? Like exact same experience, but depending on how you've thought about going into an interview, it will create that mindset. And so, so it starts with identity and then it's what mindsets do we have so that when we, when we encounter moments and experiences in life, how we see and view the world is, is in a way that allows us to be our best self. Then the next layer of that is leadership to me and leadership first and foremost of self how are you leading yourself on a day-to-day basis? And then how do you lead or influence, right? Leadership Mm -hmm. is influence Mm -hmm. those around us. And then, you know, I think that's what to me culminates in true greatness, which is living your best self and, and, and bringing that to the world around you. So, um, so to me, that's what elite performers in any domain have in common. They understand and know who they are. Um, and they've got really great mindsets into how they handle success, how they handle adversity, and they are great leaders first and foremost of their own lives. And then they're intentional about how they show up to those around them. And, and that's, that's to me, the unique threat. All right. Well, we covered a lot of ground. I love to pivot into, into the, your new book that's coming out April 1st. April 11th. April 11th. And it's on the 11th. So we talked about intentionality. So my uh, high school soccer number was 11. And when I went to Notre Dame, 11 was was taken. It was 29. 29, right? Because 2 plus 9 equals 11. 2 plus 9 equals 11. Yes. And I used to sign everything like ALAT, Latner is my maiden name, ALAT, Jeremiah 29, 11. Because I was like, oh, it's it's my life verse. It's my two numbers. If anybody ever reads it, that's awesome. So the book price is actually $24.11. Nice. And it comes out on. April 11th. And my uh, publisher was like, um, this isn't an actual book price. I was like, well, it's going to be this book's price. And then they're like, we release books on Tuesday. I was like, well, the 11th is on a Monday. They're like, okay, this woman's crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we'll do it. <laughs> so yeah, so it comes out on April 11th. Um, and it's called winning the mental game, the playbook for building championship mindsets. And, you know, I'm just, I'm so excited about it. Um, it's, it's really a piece of my life's work and to be able to share it with the world um, is something that I'm just really excited about because, you know, I, when I first started working in sports psych, people would come to me and they'd say, okay, I want to work on my focus. And so we'd start working together and like three sessions in, I would be like, man, you don't really have a focus problem. You have an emotional control problem. And because you don't know how to manage your emotions, you're not able to focus at the moment of execution. Or they would come in and they say like, I want to work on my confidence in like three sessions. in, I don't know why it's three sessions, but I feel like that's usually the time where you start to figure out what's like actually going on with somebody. They propose three sessions or you give three sessions? Well, we would go on for however many sessions, but it's usually by session three that I'm like, you know what? We're talking about confidence, but it's not really a confidence problem. Is that like a problem. parallel of the dating by the third date? You know whether you know, or not. I don't know, but that's a good, that's probably a good litmus test. Yeah, there you go. I was usually a one and done kind oh, of person. Right. So. <laughs> 
then I found my husband and I was one in forever. So there's that. Good for you guys. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, man, you don't really have a confidence problem. You have an awareness problem. And because you're not aware, it's really hard for you to be confident because you got so many other things going on. And so I stepped back and I really looked at, all right, what goes into a foundational mental game? Mm -hmm. And and how would you build that sequentially? And so I, I put together an eight session program that really walked people through this is how your brain works this is how it impacts how you show up and here are some tools and strategies that you can use to start to manage and train your mind and your emotions and your brain in ways that will allow you to show up to a moment the way you intend to the way you want to so that on the back end of it you're like man i wish i would have or i could have or why did i you know it's like can we get that on the front end and so so the, the, the program is sequential in nature. And I've been working with athletes, professionals, family members, like husbands and wives or, you know, um, on this for the last 12 years. And time and time again, it's just proven like, man, they go through this and it's like now all of a sudden they're just more equipped to solve their own problems and to manage their lives in new ways. And so the book is this foundational mental playbook that, again, will walk you through sequentially how your brain works and how you can train it to show up more consistently. And so I'm just, I'm really excited to, to share this playbook so that people can truly win their mental game in a way that feels, um, you know, grounded and real. It's, there's a lot, there's science in it, but I'm a teacher, you know, at heart. And so it's not like you want to pound your head against the wall. You can't understand it. Um, and, and so there's some science in it to help you understand that this is grounded. It's not just like, well, let's think, let's have positive thinking, you know? Um, and, and then again, some tools and strategies. And then actually it's really cool too. There's 46 QR codes embedded nice. throughout the book that you can scan and that will take you to a video or an interview or a podcast or an article that sort of will supplement the text itself. And do you have some exercises that you ask people to go through, maybe self-reflection or questions in there or journaling that you ask them to do? Yep. So every chapter has championship mindset training, which are exercises that you can do to, again, really start to think about and apply the concept of that last play to your life. What would be your hope for somebody that would read the book? How would you like to see them change? You know, right up front, it talks about how my hope that this book serves as a bridge to where you are today mm-hmm. and to, to wherever your next step is, whether you are already a high performer and you're trying to find like that next layer, you know, of high performance excellence, or if you're in a tough place right now and trying to figure out where do I go next with my life? Mm-hmm. My hope is that, that through this book, that it will help you take that next step. And so tell us to get in the title of the book, where can they order it from? So it's called Winning the Mental Game, the playbook for building championship mindsets. You can get it on Amazon or you can also go to my website, www.selkingperformance.com. Selking, S is in Sam, E-L-K-I-N-G, performance.com. And um, you can go to the books tab and order it from there as well directly through my distributor. All right. So we're going to wrap up the podcast. I don't know if you prepared for this. I hope you actually didn't. Uh, I got two questions. I have two questions for you. What's the best advice that you've ever received that you're willing to share with the listeners? Something to pass on that you have, you've already told us about the, the, the scripture from Jeremiah. That's one. What else is something that you would like to pass on? As it relates to high performance or anything? 
I, I don't know why this is coming to me, but it is, so I'll share it with you. Um, coach Holtz wrote the forward on my book. He's a legendary football coach um, at, at Notre Dame, and um, I had I had the honor of having dinner with him and his wife one um, day in Orlando before she passed yeah. several years ago, and um, and I asked them, you know, this is before I was married. I still ask people this: people that have mar- been married for a long time, what makes marriage work? And I'm always fascinated by mm-hmm. their responses. And I don't remember what Coach said, <clears throat> but Beth said something really beautiful. She said, you know, I think a lot of people get married thinking that it w- that 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 will make them happy. She said, but marriage doesn't make you happy. She said, marriage helps make you holy. Mm -hmm. And in the process of becoming holy, you find happiness. And so you asked me earlier what I thought high performers had in common. And, and one of those things is that they don't wait for somebody or something to make them happy or to, to make them, you know, content. Like they, they find that first in their own lives. And, you know, I think marriage or intimate relationships with people, like it's, it's the one place that we can really learn, like the, the, the essence of holiness, which is becoming more like God and more like God is like being forgiving, being patient, being kind, being able to bear, you know, over time with somebody. And I think that, that marriage is a place that we can really exert that. And I think in the process of learning those sort of spiritual traits and um, that that we find a sense of happiness and help us become first and foremost, and then then that changes how we show up to the world versus allowing the world to change how we show up. And that also comes back into that humility. Absolutely. Piece. So you just wrote a book. It's two years in the making. It's uh, you've probably got part of your life back. So let's pivot to something, the best book that you've ever read. Oof. There's so many good ones. Um, I'll you're give, not tied to one, man. Yeah, you, I'll you give, can take the question wherever you, you want. I'll give you two. They're sort of different. Um, so Erwin McManus is one of my favorite authors of all time. Um, he's an incredible uh, speaker and pastor out of California. Um, but his book, Wide Awake, um, was the first one I ever read of his. And it just really talks about how do we live life wide awake and, and, and take it on and take it in. And then the most recent um, one of actually I've read two of his, The Way of the Warrior. For those of you listening, you you would love it. Um, the, it. The book starts with this line. The warrior is not ready for battle until he has found peace. And I think that goes back to this concept of identity. And then The Last Arrow is another really good one of his I just read. Uh, and then from a sort of a sports psych performance book, um, The Talent Code by Dan Coyle is one of my favorite books. And again, it talks about how talent is developed at the neurological level, which again, I think as we look at transitions, it allows us to give ourselves a little bit more grace through transition, but also can direct our intentionality of how we navigate that to again, get back to what you do, which is being the best and being ready to, to be great and show up and deliver for the men and women beside you. So where can the listeners learn more about Dr. Amber Selking and your work? Yeah, so I'm on all the social media platforms. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Champ Mindsets. 
Um, my website I already mentioned, selkingperformance.com, and um, and then on Facebook at Selking Performance Group. Oh, you got to bring in your podcast. Oh, and, and my podcast, yeah. I've got Building a, Championship Mindsets. Yeah, I've got a podcast called Building Championship Mindsets. You can find that, again, on my website or on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you find your podcast. When's the next season coming out? It is actually Monday. Launches Monday. Monday, March, the first first Monday in March, whenever in, you might be listening to it. And what's the theme of, uh, of the se- this season? T- season 10? Season 11, 11 actually, which coincides perfectly with the book. Um, it's actually called Winning the Mental Game. And so I'm telling stories that clients have, have shared and have wrestled with and how we've coached them to help them win their mental game and also sort of pulling some threads from the book to share with the audience. I really want to, I haven't read the book yet, but I'm going to, but I really want to endorse, if the book is anything like the podcast, I want to endorse the book. I definitely want to endorse the podcast. I've been listening it to going back and forth to, to work amidst other books, that, uh, other books that I've been listening to or podcasts. And it's a, it's a great podcast. Awesome. Thank, thank you, you for you being so much. on there. Yeah. Thank you, Joel. I appreciate it. And thanks for everything that you do for, for our amazing men and women that have served our country. Thank you for serving our great country. And, um, Best of luck to you and to everyone on listening. Yes, thank you for having me today. Thank you again, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Cameron Brooks Podcast, Above and Beyond. And remember, you know, Amber's book is coming out today, April 11th. And you can order that book off of Amazon. Remember, the title of that book is called The Winning the Mental Game, The Playbook for Building Championship Mindsets by Dr. Amber Selking. Additionally, you can find her on her podcast, Building Championship Mindsets. So thank you again for listening. Now, if you would like any insight, help, free coaching session, all you have to do is reach out to Cameron Brooks at candidates at Cameron-Brooks.com. We'll get on the phone with you, Zoom call. Maybe we'll be even out there meeting you in person to walk you through a career coaching session to help you reach your goals. Thank you for listening.